Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, entitled, The Greatest Christmas Tree. The cross of Christ is referred to on a number of occasions as a tree. Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Maybe if we call that holiday decoration a Christmas tree, we could call the cross the Calvary tree. One holds much symbolism, while the other offers great significance. That makes the cross the greatest Christmas tree. Here's Pastor Tim. Atop the Christmas tree, you've usually got some kind of topper, and traditionally you're going to find an angel there or maybe a star. It reminds us that the star is the one that signaled the Savior's birth and that led those wise men to come find him. The angel's presence on top of the tree reminds us that the heavenly host is the one that announced the birth of Jesus uh, that's to come to those shepherds out in the field. Well, underneath that tree, you're going to find some things. You're going to find some gifts there, right? You're going to find gifts that are there for all the kind of people uh, that you love and the people that you love the most. It's a reminder to us of the greatest gift that's ever been given by the one who loves you the very most. And let me give you one more. That decorated tree, in all of its glory, is stood in the most prominent place in the house. It's placed somewhere where everybody can see it. It's a reminder to me that we are to, to be about the Great Commission, making sure that he is known to everybody around him. There's symbolism in the Christmas tree, isn't there? But I want you to also know that the Calvary tree is full of significance. There is symbolism in the Christmas tree, but there is significance in the Calvary tree. We talked about there being beauty in that Christmas tree. I want you to know that there's beauty in the Calvary tree. It's not the same kind of outward beauty with all of the decoration that we're used to with the Christmas tree, but it's brought inside just as well, isn't it? The cross has to come in by faith, and by that it has an unequaled beauty. One of my all-time favorite singers, Crystal Lewis, has a song titled, Beauty of the Cross. In it, she sang this, The cross, stained by blood, the beauty of the cross, healing for the lost, the cross. Johnny Diaz has a song out. It's called, Beauty of the Cross. <laughs> In that song, he says this, The beauty of the cross is that there's one who has redeemed my soul. Prestonwood Baptist Church, one of the prominent churches within our denomination, um, has an original song. Guess what it's titled? <laughs> beauty of the Cross. That's right. And they sing this. Oh, the beauty of the rugged cross, drenched in mercy, ever cleansing blood, there my sins forever swept away in that torrent of that crimson blood. As we've already noted, the Calvary tree is made out of wood. It's just both Peter and Paul said, the cross is that Zulon that we continually read about. I don't know what variety of tree was used. I know that there's a lot of speculation. Some want it to be the dogwood tree because of the way that the blooms come out. Some want it to be gopher wood because that's what the ark was made out of. Some uh, talk about the, the olive trees because there was such an abundance of those there. The truth is I don't know what kind of tree 
was used. But I do know this, you couldn't tell it by the leaves or the needles because all that stuff had been completely stripped away. All of it laid bare. As, as beautiful as we want those leaves to be, as beautiful as we want the needles to be, it's not looking for that kind of beauty. The variety of the cross is not what makes it significant, or the variety of the wood is not what makes the cross significant. It's significant because it is the means through which we have eternal life. All right, are you still in Galatians? I'm not, I turned out of it. Go back with me, or go ahead with me one more book to the book of Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter number two. You know how you can remember the order? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Because Gentiles eat pork chops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the things that run through my mind. Ephesians chapter 2. All right, I made it. Are you there? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 18. Look at what Paul writes. He says that he, that is Christ, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, his body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So it's the cross that Christ uses as the means to bring reconciliation between us and God. It's his one body on that one cross that makes all the difference in the world. When we decorate a tree, we use those flimsy little hooks, you know, that end up falling off and they get caught in your vacuum cleaner a little bit later on. Well, the Roman soldiers didn't use anything flimsy. They used nails. They nailed Jesus' hands and nailed his feet into that cross. All right? Got your turning fingers ready? Let's go back into the Gospels. Let's go to John chapter number 12. Jesus is speaking at this point. John chapter number 12, if you look down to verse number 32, he's teaching about who he is and about his hour that at that point had not yet quite come. He uses the illustration of Moses' serpent in the wilderness. If you recall, when they were being bitten by serpents, God instructed him to make a brazen serpent, put it on a pole, and hold it up. And he said if people will look to that in faith, that they would be healed. And that's what Jesus is referring to in verse number 32 when he says, And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. It's him being attached to that cross and being lifted up, suspended between heaven and earth, that make all that difference. I mentioned to you, I think it was, I don't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, talking about how much I enjoyed uh, when our kids were little reading to them. And, uh, and then when they, uh, when they went to school, being able to go usually on Fridays and read to their class. And, uh, and I've got a few little favorite books that I always make sure that I take. And one of those books is A Tale of Three Trees. Do you know this story? Tell of Three Trees is about three little trees that live or have, have come up out of the ground up on a hillside. And they're talking amongst themselves one day and trying to decide what kind of trees they want to be when they grow up, you know? One wants to be a strong tree. One wants to be a beautiful tree. 
But the third little tree says this. Let me read this to you. The third little tree looked down into the valley below where busy men and women worked in a busy town. I don't want to leave the mountaintop at all. I want to grow so tall that when people stop to look at me, they'll raise their eyes to heaven and think of God. I will be the tallest tree in the world. As that story goes on, of course, those three trees all get chopped down. The most beautiful, the one that wants to be the most beautiful gets made into a manger and holds the greatest treasure that the world has ever had. Second little tree that wants to be the strongest and the mightiest of all the trees gets made into a little fishing boat, but it carries the Savior of the world and it's able to stop the wind in the midst of a great storm. This third little tree just gets made into beams and gets laid aside, not to hardly be used for year after year after year until finally someone makes him into the cross that's going to hold Jesus. And this little tree doesn't become necessarily the tallest tree in the world, but he does exactly what he wanted to do. He said, I want people to raise their eyes toward heaven and think about God. And that's exactly what he did, right? That's what the cross does. When we look at a cross, be it on a, a, a wooden cross out as a display, if we look at it in a necklace form, as we look at it on a, on a car bumper, if we look at it on a t-shirt somewhere, we immediately think of God and we think of that great gift that he's given to us. Well, the cross, the Calvary tree, doesn't have any great lights, doesn't have any great decorations. Calvary tree is decorated only with a Savior. He's the only thing hanging on it. And it's only stained crimson because of his blood. On top of that Calvary tree, though, you're not going to find a star and angel, but you are going to find a sign. There was a sign that was nailed there by the direction of Pontius Pilate. One that, a sign that signaled who Jesus was and also announced then what the charge was that led to his execution. The Bible says that Pilate had them write this sign in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin so everybody could read it. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. That's decoration enough, isn't it? Underneath that tree, you're not going to find gifts, you're going to find people. you find all kind of people underneath the cross. You're going to find some soldiers there, soldiers who are carrying out orders. Soldiers who are gambling for his garments. You're going to find a soldier who's going to give him sour wine when he announces his thirst. You're also going to find a soldier who's going to pierce him in the side with his spear. You're going to find a soldier who finally declares, truly, this was the Son of God. You're going to find some scoffers under the tree. Scoffers who will say things like, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? You're going to find some scoffers who are under there who, who hear Jesus say, lama, uh, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, and, and, and misinterpret that he's talking to Elijah. And then they say things like, let's, let's just wait and see if Elijah will come and save him. It's those kind of scoffers. You're going to find some, some family members there. You're going to find some women that are there. The Bible says that if it weren't for the ladies... <laughs> Jesus' ministry would not have been at all what it was. 
And they're not afraid to go to the cross. They're there, and there's a number of them that get named, among whom is Mary Magdalene, for whom he'd done so much. He delivered her from so many things. Jesus' own mother is there. And while she's there standing watching the prophecy of Simeon, it comes to pass that her soul itself is being pierced like with a, like with a sword. You're just going to find one little disciple there. It's just John. He's the only one who makes it. Everybody else is run and hid. But what you also find around that cross of all those people, no matter what category they fit in, you're going to find somebody for whom Jesus died. You're going to find all kind of people for whom Jesus died. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, he's not just talking about the soldiers. He's not just talking about the Jewish people. He's talking about all of them. He's talking about you. We don't know what we're doing. Instead, we have to look to him. One more. Finally, the Calvary tree, in all of its glory, stood in the most prominent place on the hillside. Of the three crosses that are there, it's the one that's right in the center. And it's placed in a place where everybody could see it. Now, the Romans had a totally different purpose for placing it there, didn't they? They thought maybe people would see the cross and see the misery that happens to criminals and that it would keep them from performing those same kinds of acts. God has that cross placed exactly where it is, where everybody can see it, so that they can look up and understand at what God has done. By the millions, people flock to see Christmas trees. Just wish that people would flock by the thousands, by the millions, by the billions, just to get a glimpse of what the cross really is all about. Because that's what Christmas is about. Jesus came to save sinners. Let's bow and pray. Maybe you think about somebody that you ought to pray for. Maybe even somebody that you could use those kinds of analogies with. Somebody that you've not really been able to share the gospel with before, but maybe that becomes a creative way for you to do that. Would you ask God to give you an opportunity? Father, We want everybody to know that you are the risen Lord, that you live, and that you transform people from the inside out. We pray that we could be like that that little tree that just wants to stand tall and point people to you. Father, may you help that to be effective among our friends, among our family members, among complete strangers. Father, we ask for your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This year at Brit Dayton, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David 
Podcast.